This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. At last year's COP27 summit in Egypt, developing nations celebrated a victory when they secured agreement on the Loss and Damage Fund, an idea that many have been advancing for many decades now. So a transitional committee composed of members from developed and developing countries were tasked with discussing everything from who would pay into this fund to where it would be located ahead of a final decision due to be taken at COP28 in Dubai at the end of this month. So after some lengthy and very heated negotiations, diplomats have largely agreed on a draft framework for a new UN fund to help nations recover from the quote-unquote loss and damage caused by climate change. So what were the points of contention and what will this fund look like? With me today, Minakshi Raman, the president of Sahabat Ala Malaysia and the head of programs at Third World Network. She's going to help break it down for us. Welcome, Mina. How are you today? I'm fine, Juliet. Lovely to have you back on the show. I haven't bothered you in a long time, Mina, so I'm really happy to. I know you've been very busy, so thank you for making the time for us. So, um, again, yes, we're back to loss and damage. Something you did help us, uh, you know, you broke it down for us last year when we, we spoke about this as well, still talking about it. So, okay, I do understand that the fifth meeting of the UNFCCC's Transitional Committee, right, the one I was mentioning earlier, the TC5, so that took place in Abu Dhabi uh, over a two-day period. Uh, can you talk to us about what that meeting was all about? You know, what, yeah, what were the issues there? that were being discussed? Yeah, um, just to, as you recall, when COP27 in uh, Sharm el-Sheikh agreed on having the loss and damage fund and to also discuss the funding arrangements for that, the Transitional Committee was supposed to meet and they were, they actually had uh, scheduled four meetings. So at the last meeting um, in Egypt, in Aswan, uh, when they met, they couldn't agree. There was uh, really a lot of uh, contention between the transitional committee members, mainly along developed developing country lines, uh, particularly um, a lot of problems that came from the developed world, uh, led by the United States and others. Um, because one of the big questions was, can you have a uh, independent, standalone fund for loss or loss and damage, or for or that's that was what the developing countries were calling for. The actually they negotiated as G77 as a whole, and they pushed for a standalone fund, independent, similar to like the Green Climate Fund, which is now based in Songdo, South Korea. The developed world, of course, said no. We will agree only if you have what's called a uh, the fund in the World Bank and they, as what they call a financial intermediary fund. So under the control of the World Bank. So that's what the developed countries were pushing. And so there was a stalemate. There was no uh, way to resolve this. So because um, of the importance of this issue for COP28, the COP28 presidency said, okay, we'll host one further meeting mm -hmm. and try and see whether we can resolve problems. And that's when this meeting took place in Abu Dhabi last week over the weekend. Okay. Um, so it was again very fractious, but um, this time they managed to resolve some uh, of the issues. 
I do want to talk about that because um, it was presented, um, I was reading Third World Network's report, which you kindly shared with me, right? So it was presented as a take it or leave it text uh, by the co-chairs, right? Uh, can you tell, and, and they largely, uh, I guess the TC managed to adopt a three-part package proposal, right? Uh, which again, as I mentioned, presented as a take it or leave it text. Uh, can you walk me through those three components of the package? Uh, what was included and what does that actually mean? Well, um, the take it or leave it text came, first of all, after some discussions. Sure, sure. Uh, it's not that, not that the coaches <laughs> came and just put a take it or leave it text. Got it. I think they tried very hard to seek compromises. But maybe before I get into the three-part um, components, mm. what's important to remember is that at, on the day that the Transitional Committee started meeting, the developing countries were also already showing flexibility or compromise because they knew that if they continue to insist on a standalone fund, they're not going to get anything. So they, they already said, look, we are making a huge concession um, and we are willing to consider um, the World Bank um, as, an inter, as an interim arrangement. Okay. So for four years, but we would like to impose some conditions on the World Bank. So if the World Bank can fulfill these conditions, then we are agreeable to having this interim solution for the four years. Okay. And then there will be a performance evaluation and so on. So the developing countries already started with the compromise, which I think was helpful because had they started and saying we still want a standalone uh, fund, they would not have gotten very far and the two days could not have resolved anything. Okay. So that's how after all these discussions, the um, co-chairs of the Transitional Committee introduced this um, uh, package. It was called a package because there's three parts to it. The first part is a cover decision. What that normally means in negotiating terms is that this is what will go to the Conference of Parties in Dubai, where it says that we, the parties agree, we decide this, we decide that, we agree to this, we agree to that. So that is how it is. This is how it has been framed okay. as a decision. Okay. And and there are two annexes to it. The first part is in what's called the governing instrument. This is the governing instrument of the fund okay. um, in terms of the details. So that me, this is like your constitution. This is like the constitution of the fund. And so they agreed on that. And the third part, because that was the other mandate of the transitional committee, is to look at the funding arrangements. Um, because this is one thing that the developed countries were insisting. They were saying that there's a lot of funds out there outside the convention and the Paris Agreement. So there is this fund. That there are other arrangements that are going happening. You know, there is um, many other uh, institutions which are also providing funding. So we need to look at all those existing funding arrangements. And so given all that, that this uh, there was this decision um, on the funding arrangements, which is about the purpose of which was actually to make it more, the fund itself, the loss and damage fund itself will play a role in making much more coherence in terms of the funding arrangements which are outside the UNFCC and also what's inside the UNFCC so that you can actually have new and additional resources um, for developing countries. So the idea of the funding arrangements was to ensure that all the different types of funding arrangements outside, including 
you know, um, you have, um, if, if I recall correctly, there were many other UN institutions which were providing some kind of funds for recovery or for all kinds of uh, um, disasters. Okay. So that that was the coherence that was uh, was that supposed to be galvanized. So those were the three part um, of what's called the package outcome. Okay, so that that is again, as you mentioned, the three part package proposal. Uh, thank you for explaining that. I think you know, just for anyone who who's not quite familiar, right? Can you also explain, you know, who who would receive money from this fund? Uh, you know, who would I guess you know contribute to the fund, and where well, the fund will be located? Yeah, I guess where again would the fund be located? All these are very important questions, but they are still uh, quite elementary. But before you, you you move into those details, I think we need to remind the audience that whatever the t- the transitional committee has decided will now be forwarded to the conference of parties. Right, right. Whether it will be adopted and agreed to um, in the way that it is will remain to be seen. So you know okay. it could it could be that the United States may not be happy with uh, with um, you know the way in which the transitional committee decision was um, arrived at mm-hmm. because one of the sticky issues and that's the question about who will contribute to the contribute to the fund yeah. this issue of what is called the sources of the fund the big contention by the united states uh, mainly was that this is voluntary that de- that the developed countries do not have any obligation right from the day one and even before day one even in the past the U.S. has been very firm that it has no responsibility for loss and damage. And so they were insistent that uh, developed countries do not have a mandatory obligation. And so the, the big issue was for them was other countries also, which means even developing countries um, have to contribute. So that was the big fight. Whereas for the developing countries, they're saying, look, this is the convention. This is the Paris Agreement. There is the principle of common but differentiated responsibility. There is historical responsibility of the developed countries for the historical emissions. So the developed countries are the ones who have to contribute to the fund and take the lead. And like in the Paris Agreement, other countries can voluntarily do so. There's nothing mandatory for developing countries to um, contribute anything. But if they wish to do so voluntarily, they can. So this was the big, uh, mm. impa- a big fight even in um, Abu Dhabi, and um, you know the decision was adopted um, when ev- when the U.S. was actually isolated. Um, it was alone. The other developed countries also came along with the developing countries, basically um, with the uh, with the tax that that on the issue of the uh, contributions. But the U.S. was very firm that you know the tax didn't reflect their position so explicitly mm. that it's voluntary and and nothing more than voluntary um so in any case at the end of the day the us said that it could not join the consensus after the decision was adopted so this issue about about whether the us is going to reopen the discussion will likely happen in uh, in dubai so we'll have to wait and see whether the U.S. because when you when the transitional committee sends the text, it's up to the parties all over again mm. to 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 whether they want to make changes. 
So once you start making changes, you unravel everything. And so this is really, so the, like, like we said, the drama has not ended. Uh, so we won't know. So, so as far as the transitional committee is concerned, and, and the way we interpret it, so it will be an interpretation fight. As far as the developing countries are interpreting it, it will be developed countries. They have a mandatory obligation. And that developing countries, um, you know, if at all, it is uh, voluntary. And so that's the way it will uh, go. The second issue was actually about who will receive the fund. Now, um, the transitional committee also was saddled with this big fight. Because what the developed countries wanted to do was to have the loss and damage fund only for the least developed countries and the small island states. Because they kept saying that they are the particularly vulnerable, they are the particularly vulnerable. But developing countries said, no, it can't just be them. Look at Pakistan, because this whole Sharm al-Sheikh, when the decision came to be, it was all because of Pakistan. And then after, uh, sometime early this year, look at what happened in Libya. You know, with the massive flow, I mean, rainfalls and the dam bursting and thousands of people affected. So they said, look, then people, countries like Libya, countries like Pakistan, even our neighbors like the Philippines. So, so these countries will be will not be able to receive the money. And so the developed countries wanted to scale it down. Their whole purpose was actually to limit how much of contributions. So they wanted to say LDCs and small island developing states. So this did not fly. Finally, at the, uh, um, after the um, discussions in Abu Dhabi, what was clear is that um, any developing country, all developing countries are entitled to receive money to this fund if they suffer from either extreme events like uh, a, a massive wildfire or a drought or a massive floods um, and devastation. So those are extreme events. Mm -hmm. Or you have you suffer due to slow onset events, for instance, sea level rise, um, and due to sea level rise, there is a that that your coastlines are affected, your houses are damaged, um, and so on and so forth. You suffer economic and non-economic losses. You are entitled to come to this fund um, to get money. So uh, so that was quite important that this is not only for the LDCs and the small island states. And we also have to recognize that Malaysia is also entitled. Mm. We cannot take the position that we are not particularly vulnerable. There's no country in the world that is not particularly vulnerable. I think, as we have explained this before, uh, climate the climate impacts are faced by all developing countries. The issue is not about your uh, the, the classification, whether you are uh, which region, but rather it's about your condition, yeah. whether you are a coastal lying state, you are a state that is in the tropics, which is hit by rains all the time, or if you are in the delta area, or you're in the mountainous area. So all kinds of geographies uh, are recognized as being vulnerable to climate change. Mm -hmm. And I think we've seen, like, I mean, developed countries are facing the impacts as well. So exactly. That's how exactly. Can... Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, so okay. So the US didn't explicitly object to the adoption, but um, I guess they are going, to, I mean, what does that mean actually, right? I mean, does that, that stance that they've taken, <laughs> does that raise concerns as you were saying, you know, about the final op uh, outcome, you know, when COP takes place? 
well i um, it remains to be seen i think for them it's a very important issue mm. and don't forget that they are going into elections uh next oh, yeah. year mm. so much of what is happening in terms of how the us postures itself to dubai and and and, and at dubai will be uh you know in the context of the election elections next year okay so as you know you have a likelihood of a donald trump uh coming back i mean heaven forbid that from happening but but that's what the politics is all about in the us so that will actually make it uh you know at least my uh prediction is that it will make the us rather hardline um okay. when it goes to dubai so it will want to ensure that all its uh, red lines are not crossed and in so far as the loss and damage fund is concerned they will insist that it's voluntary for them but at the end of the day it's an interpretation fight and like somebody one observer a negotiator was actually saying the us doesn't contribute even though it's mandatory the us doesn't contribute very much the little that it contributed to the green climate fund they have not made another contribution to the green climate fund so they take all these hardline positions but in terms of the kind of finance that they need to put they don't really put very much money so so but but then they don't want it to be mandatory because that it will be seen as an obligation so i am quite sure that they will want to uh you know make this quite clear when they arrive in dubai Okay. Uh, I mean, at Dubai. So we'll have to wait and see. Okay. So so as it stands, uh, the package outcome will be forwarded, as we mentioned, to the UNFCCC's 28th meeting. Uh, so the COP28, lah, basically. And also the fifth meeting of the parties to the Paris Agreement, right? So that's all yes, that's happening right. in Dubai. Yeah, so that's at the, end, at the end of this month. And you'll be there as well again. Yes. <laughs> you know, yes, fighting the good fight. Okay. You know, let's, yeah. just, let's just go for one quick break. When we come back, I just want to ask more about the fund. I guess, you know, how much we need. Uh, what is the of what is the figure right that we are we're looking at always we need to find that out i'm speaking today to minakshi raman she's the president of sahabat ala malaysia and the head of programs at the third world network again we're talking about loss and damage uh, after very lengthy and heated negotiations the diplomats have largely agreed on a draft framework for a new un fund to help nations recover from loss and damage caused by climate change but of course the road is still not clear there's a lot more ahead of us we'll find out more after this quick break keep it here on earth matters on the bigger picture bfm 89.9 Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. On the line with me today, Minakshi Raman, the president of Sahabat Ala Malaysia and the head of programs at the Third World Network. We're talking all about loss and damage today. Uh, if you recall, at last year's COP27 summit in Egypt, developing nations celebrated, I guess it was a victory, right? When they secured an agreement on the loss and damage fund, something, you know, uh, you know, developing countries have been talking about for decades now. So a transitional committee composed of members from developed and developing countries were tasked with discussing everything from who who would pay into where this fund would be located all of that uh, and you know after a lot of negotiations very very heated ones too uh, there's largely they've largely agreed on a draft framework that's what we're talking about today um, but of course as Mina has explained the next step is that this pa- package outcome which you explained earlier will be forwarded to COP28 and the fifth meeting of the parties to the Paris Agreement so that's all going to happen at the end of this month so we will keep up with that I guess, you know, just going back to the loss and damage fund itself, right, Mina? Um, you know, you, you mentioned also like the Green Climate Fund and all of that. There's always this question of how much is enough, right? How much money do we need to deal with loss and damage uh, on such a 
I guess, catastrophic scale it will be, right? I mean, they, they, what would you, yeah, what would your answer be to that? Yeah, the, well, we all uh, acknowledge the fact that it will be in the hundreds of billions, um, but nobody has a definite figure, of course, because, um, you know, it, it's, if you have, you have to do, it's all of it is estimates and so on. And even if you look from what happened in Pakistan at that time, um, you know, one third of the economy being wiped out and so on. So, so you're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars. So this is one of the things that the developing countries were pushing. They wanted a scale to be indicated. Not in, I mean, they knew that you can't put a huge amount there, but they said at least maybe 100 to 150 billion as a starter, some indicative figure to, um, to at least have a target in terms of money that has to be raised. But the developed countries said no. They did not want any number. The, the usual stance, they will not have any number. Um, so the, the no, no number was was ever agreed to in uh, the by the transitional committee. So at the moment there is nothing, but certainly the scale will be in the hundreds of billions. Um, so that's something that we need to really uh, watch out mm -hmm. because what we don't want is an empty shell, right? Yeah. So this is this is really a matter of great concern. Um, so that's going to be very important. The other question you had earlier, which was about where will the fund be located? Yes. I think at the moment, there's a little bit of a confusion here, yeah, just to, just to clarify. We talked about the fund having, uh, being housed in the World Bank. That's right. In the interim. That's right. So what it will do, what the World Bank will do will be hosting the secretariat, which is supposed to be an independent, dedicated secretariat for the fund. So if that happens, and if the World Bank, uh, you know, a lot of ifs because the World Bank will have to agree to the conditions that the developing countries impose. Now, why were the conditions important? Because what the developing countries did not want was for the policies of the World Bank to dictate which country will have access. Because not all countries are members of the World Bank. And the World Bank doesn't give money to certain countries it doesn't like. For instance, Iran, right. Cuba, countries that are, you know, on its sanctions list and so on. So it doesn't, uh, because the U.S. has a very dominant voice in the World Bank. So these countries would not be eligible. So what the Transition Committee uh, in, wanted to impose, and which they did, for developing country members, uh, was that, these kinds of conditions will not apply, even if the secretariat of the fund is located in the World Bank in the interim. Okay. The other is what's called direct access. Now, when you want to access funds, you the direct access means a country can set up its own entity, like for instance, Malaysia, if the Ministry of Finance is recognized or established as the entity to be uh, accredited to the World Bank mm -hmm. in the event that the fund is located in the World Bank, then then, then that the Ministry of Finance is able to take money, uh, get the funds. Right. So this is called direct access, meaning you don't have to depend on any intermediary like the UNDP or UNEP or the Asian Development Bank or other intermediaries. You can go directly. The World Bank at the moment doesn't have this 
direct access facility. So this was the other condition that developing countries wanted so that you just don't depend on international intermediaries. So that so I just wanted to give you a flavor okay. of some of those conditions that were imposed. So the other thing is the Transitional Committee has uh, agreed that there would be a board, and that board is very important. There would be a board of the fund, the loss and damage fund board. That board will be, uh, is supposed to have its own legal uh, capacity and personality and all that. And that will have to be hosted by a country. That hasn't been decided yet. So countries can, once the decision is adopted in uh, Dubai, mm -hmm. the next thing that will happen is for uh, the board to be formed. And one of the things is the host country that will be the location of the board of the fund. This is similar to the adaptation fund. Right. There is an adaptation fund at the moment. That adaptation fund is the board is actually hosted in the in Germany, meaning the board, um, um, the, the German government uh, uh, has got an agreement and so on with the board, which has all the legal capacity and everything that it bestows on the board of the fund. So that's that's in the adaptation fund, and their secretariat is located in the World Bank, similar to this loss and damage fund. Okay. So 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 it's slightly confusing, but that's how it's supposed to be. So the first thing that will happen is the board. The board, according to the transitional committee, uh, is that it will be made of twenty six representatives, representing the various regions of the world, mm -hmm. um, which is recognized by the UNFCCC. So this 26-member board will play a very important function in terms of the policies, the programs, the, the standards, and this, that, and the other that need to be applied, um, accrediting of entities, um, getting a, and all that they will be in charge of. Okay. All right. Okay. So, uh, but where I guess the other question is right. Um, what are the options that are being considered to actually raise the money needed for this loss and damage? I mean, yeah. How how would we even? Yeah. How how does that conversation even start? Very difficult conversation yeah. because um, it's not just for loss and damage that we have to raise money. Yeah. Remember that there is also one of the big discussions. That will happen in Dubai, but particularly more important for next year is the discussion around the new collective quantified goal on finance. Mm. Because you know that hundred billion per year that yeah. we talk about, yeah. um, that hundred billion is seen as what's called a pre twenty twenty commitment, because it actually was supposed to be yeah. for pre twenty twenty and then got extended to twenty twenty five. So it was agreed in Paris that a new goal on finance will be for the post-2025 timeframe. So that will be finalized next year. So even there, the scale has not been discussed. Um, there are already studies by the um, UNFCCC itself, by the Standing Committee on Finance, for example, who looked at all the needs of developing countries currently and they came up with a figure that you need five to eleven trillion dollars uh, for implementation 
of the uh, uh, you know needs of developing countries but that was only one third of the costs that were estimated because the others were not costed so many much of the adaptation needs for instance countries have not costed so they cost the mitigation needs but not so much for the adaptation needs so couple that on top of that separately with loss and damage so we are talking about trillions of dollars that are needed yeah and how do we okay so that so that's the that's the figure but and, and and i guess that goes back to who contributes to that fund right and that is the yeah. the main point of contention yeah but just but just to also put this in scale it's not about developed countries not having money yeah now and particularly right now you know for the ukraine uh, war the, the billions of of dollars that the us and the europeans can commit to ukraine overnight Mm. same thing that the us has done for israel mm. in the genocide that's happening in gaza pains my heart really pains my heart to see the children die i mean i i just oh it's just heart wrenching so to even talk about climate when this is happening is really really sad so with with that i mean overnight they can do billions of dollars to kill to to you know for for genocide in in gaza the money is there it's not that there is no money as as uh, many years ago as hugo chavez the president of venezuela had said that if climate change was a bank it would have been bailed out a long time ago <laughs> so the issue is not that there is no money there is money the issue is the political will to generate that money and of course one of the other options that many countries have talked about including third world network it's what's called the special drawing rights this is uh i the imf the international monetary fund which can issue what's called sdrs special drawing rights okay. this is like a form of currency and it is uh, uh it it can be issued at, and uh, this was done to the for the pandemic if you remember oh yes yeah um and even before that some 600 billion dollars was issued by the imf much of which which went to the developed countries actually ironically those who have the money were unfortunately given this money so the imf is capable of issuing what's called the special drawing rights but again this will depend very much on who controls the imf and this again is by the uh, the quota and again the us uh, has a very strong voice so if there is political will the sdrs can be issued and and even the sdrs that are that have been previously issued which can be rechanneled to developing countries so it's not a problem you can you can issue hundreds of billions of dollars for loss and damage even for the needs of developing countries so this is one of the things that developing countries have been talking about in terms of the use of sdrs Okay. And how would countries actually, I mean, let's say it is established, right, and everything is okay, how would countries actually claim money from the loss and damage fund? Um, yeah, so this will re- this will have to be set up because at okay. the moment Nola. nothing is set up yet. Okay. But like I said, uh you would prob- if if the um what will have to happen is that countries will have to have their entities once there is money that comes in and the board is able to put everything in place arrangements in place then when a country is uh, um you know struck by 
problems it can uh, access. Now, these are some of the things that have to be worked out because yeah. developing countries have been insisting that we need to have very simplified procedures. Yeah. You can't have very long drawn out like what happens in the Green Climate Fund. For instance, in the Green Climate Fund, it can take about 12 months to about 24 months when you, from the time you submit a proposal to when you see the money, uh, part of the money being dispersed. So we cannot have that. It has to be very fast. It has to be um, based on triggers. This is some of the things that developing countries have been talking about, based on triggers uh, that you trigger, uh, uh, you know, uh, a mechanism mm. so that you can have the fund um, uh, respond. Because what you want is a loss and damage fund which is responsive, not something that doesn't respond because what you need is emergency um, money that comes. So these are things that the board will have to work out um, and have simplified procedures and ways of, of um, accessing. So, um, and all this will probably only happen, um, well, after next year and the year after. So you will probably have to wait for another one, two years Okay. Um, to see if something realized. Okay, and and who would sit on that board also? That will also be you know part of the discussions or. Yeah, yeah. The like I said, the transitional committee has already agreed that there will be twenty six representatives. Yes. Um, and so uh, once the decision is adopted in Dubai, the first thing that that countries will have to do the regions, right. like okay. for Malaysia, we come under what's called the Asia Pacific region. Mm -mm. The, the, in the UNFCCC, all these regions have, um, you know, uh, focal points. The focal points are actually elected. And these focal points will consult with countries for their nominees. And then the, the nominees will uh, be forwarded. And they are supposed to do this by January next year, early January. So the, the hope is for the board to start functioning soon mm -hmm. and for the interim secretariat, which is the UNFCCC, uh, to help in terms of the interim secretariat to make sure that some functioning, um, you know, can, can already begin. Okay, so we're very far from it, lah. Huh? There's a lot, uh, and and a lot is going to happen, of course, at COP twenty eight, right? Which is just around the corner. Um, you know, aside from the loss and damage fund, um, I I know Mina, you'll be there, as we mentioned. Uh, what what are some of the other uh, key issues you think that are set to be, I guess, discussed there? Hopefully, finalized there. Well, the biggest, um, um, apart from the loss and damage uh, outcome, yeah, the biggest uh, decision this year will be what's called the global stock day. Mm. Just to to make you, I mean, to, for the readers, um, in Paris, one of the things that was agreed under the Paris Agreement was a five-year, um, you know, stock taking, That's global right. stock taking, mm -hmm. to see whether the goals of the Paris Agreement have been achieved. So this is uh, what's called the global stock take. They're supposed to look at not just mitigation, but also to look at how progress has been made in relation to emissions reductions, how progress has been made in relation to adaptation, how progress has been made in relation to, of course, loss and damage, what progress has been made in relation to finance, technology transfer, capacity building. These are what's called the outcomes of the global stock take. So it's going to be very critical to mm. see how much has been achieved or rather how much not has not been achieved. And what we would expect, of course, is the big fight over who's responsible for the lack of achievement. 
developed countries will say that you know um, this is part of the fight that you know all of us have to do much more we have to raise our ambition on on emissions reductions and so on and so forth and developing countries will say look look at where the gap is much of the gap is due to your historical responsibility what's called the pre 2020 gaps the gaps that you did not fulfill uh, before your emission reductions are too low and now if you want us to do more then where's the ambition on finance mm. so developing countries will say look the 100 billion that you promised per year never realized still not realized technology transfer has not been happening as fast as it should while developed countries will say we need to triple uh, you know renewable energy targets we need to do more on the mitigation side whereas adaptation we are had, hardly have anything on adaptation even the doubling of adaptation you know there's not even been doubling now there's the the question is if you say doubling of adaptation which was agreed to from uh, glasgow to shamalcheck last year the the developed countries are saying how do you measure what is doubling what is the baseline so now they are discussing about the baseline so you can imagine <laughs> this is really about nitpicking in oh. terms of the finance side so it's not going to be easy so the political messages that uh, come out of the global stock take is important they're looking at things for instance uh, what do you what they say backward looking hmm. that means what is the progress or lack of and then how do we go forward what are the forward looking elements so these are the things that probably like i said developed countries are pushing new targets and so on and developing countries are going to probably challenge and say no point talking about new targets if there is no means of implementation in real terms so as usual uh it's never easy but uh, cop 28 uh, will be a test to really see where we are headed and i of course the 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 gaza war mm. um, and the kind of um, context that that this whole discussion is taking place is not exactly um, you know uh, a, a good atmosphere because no you know about yeah of course come to these multilateral spaces uh, you know there is a big discussion about how can you really trust people and the trust deficit is so deep coupled with all this political positioning and the lack of sympathy from the developed world to the plight of the Palestinians so you can see all this taking place in in Dubai against this backdrop it's going to be very very difficult negotiations okay probably even harder than last year i suspect especially with the the current i don't know it sounds like it looking at the world well looking at the world it does sound quite a bit bleak yeah uh, bleak yeah Okay. But let's not lose hope. That's right. Yes. I yeah, always I always look to you for hope. hope. Yeah. <laughs> and the reason why we keep going. Correct. Correct. You are always a source of inspiration for me, Mina, because you never stop uh, the fight. You never give up the good fight as we call it. And um you will of course be in at in Dubai uh from the 30th onwards or I think even before that. Uh, and we will be catching up with you for some um I guess you know what what happened, right? What went down there as always. Um but before I let you go, I always ask you again for some sort of a message of hope. Any any concluding message? that you'd like to leave our listeners with about why they must not turn this off you know because it sounds almost similar right we're having the same conversations almost uh you know it's the same fight you know that we that the developing versus the developed and all of that but why would you say we must never never stop uh fighting well this is a global problem as we said i mean what malaysia does or does not do 
but more, I mean, more the Malaysian government's own policies and the way we all act on climate action. Of course, all of us are wanting to do more, but we also want to ensure that we can do more. And so that will also require the kind of enabling finance and technology transfer to happen. And it's not just simply going to happen. Mm. So whether Malaysia, I mean, whatever Malaysia does is not enough. And this is why, um, you know, the rich world, particularly who are most responsible, have to be held to account. And so this is why many of us uh, are part of a global movements, climate justice movements. We are there. We hold them to account. We, you know, when they even talk about fossil fuel phase out, yeah, there is this, this you know, the G7 talks about uh, coal, but they are, they, even when they talk about fossil fuel phase out, the duplicity of that is that all the latest uh, literature and, and publications have shown that they are hell-bent on expanding fossil fuel production. Rishi Sunak, in fact, the UK uh, Prime Minister, yeah. just went backwards and they are going ahead with expanding fossil fuel. So very duplicitous to talk about fossil fuel face out when they don't mean what they say because they do exactly the opposite of what they are supposed to do. So that is why, uh, you know, the hope, why, why do we have to live with hope? I think the only hope that we have is that we as citizens of the world, we have to stand up and fight. Just like the protests that we see happening in the US on Gaza. I mean, what the, the demonstrations that are happening in front of the White House are probably very, very more important than all the demonstrations that we, although our demonstrations is impo are important in KL and Islamabad and around the world, but when the citizens of the US wake up and stand in front of their, um, in the most powerful country in the world, that's when things begin to change. And this is where those of us in the international arena work with our allies in the North particularly in the U.S. If at all we had any movement on loss and damage, it was because of civil society work in the U.S. Mm. So that you have um, the government of the United States held account for its actions. And so we will continue to do that. So that's the hope. And we will never give up. And uh, if we give up, that's the end. Uh. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. So... I just wanted you to say that because, yeah, that is very important to remember. Mina, thank you so much, as always, uh, for joining me today. I was speaking to Minakshi Rahman, President of Sahabat Alam Malaysia and Head of Programs at the Third World Network. If you'd like to follow the work that both organisations do, do head to their websites. So for Sahabat Alam Malaysia, that's foe-malaysia.org or follow them on their social media platforms. And for the Third World Network, it's just twn.my. You can also follow them on social media. Uh, but if you miss any part of of, uh, my conversation with Mina today or any of our previous conversations, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash earth. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.